And here's what I want to ask you. What is holding you back? What is the thing that's holding you back from going after your dreams and from finding meaningful work you love? Aren't you ready to wake up to the possibilities that are in your life and go after the things you've dreamt of? It's time for you to feel alive again, lit up, and for you to know that you're deserving and you are worthy for the future that's waiting for you. I want you to feel fulfilled and find abundance in your life. I think it's time and I'm ready to help you get started. Now I'm your host, Kristen, of Building a Life You Love. And each week on the show, we're going to help you figure out how you do go after your dreams and find work you love. Here we go. Let's get started. Hey there, it's Kristen and welcome back to another episode of Building a Life You Love. And I think you are going to love the conversation I have today because it helps you understand and have a few techniques that you can use in both your personal life, understanding yourself better, how you connect with other people, and how you can bring these same ideas and awareness and techniques into your work life and really see, you know, bring about change, bring about better things and better connections with people. So listen in. I think you are going to really enjoy this conversation. Hi, today on the show, I would like to welcome Maura Barclay. She is a neurofacilitation specialist and author, and she sits on the board at NUMI as the chief mindset and culture officer. And I cannot wait to have a conversation with her today about mindset and our personal authority. Welcome, Maura. How are you? I'm very well, and I'm I'm thrilled to be here. These are the kind of conversations that I love to have, so I really appreciate you uh, sharing your show with me. I appreciate it. Oh, love it. So can you start with just telling us a little bit about kind of your journey and how you got into what you're doing now? Sure. Uh, I feel pretty confident that I have a, a very unusual journey. I got a degree in journalism with a minor in marketing in Spanish with a full intention of going into the advertising business as an account executive in Chicago. It was the, it was the late eighties. That's what you did. You know, <laughs> where a working woman was like, you know, was the show. I'm like, yeah, that's what I want to do. And then uh, I wound up becoming a firefighter in Boulder, Colorado, where I went to school. Uh, I just felt like I wanted to do, I, I went to school for the money. Like I want the, the job with the money. And I realized I, I want to be in service. Yeah. And I love the idea of organizing chaos that felt very natural to me. So showing up on an emergency scene and being able to, you know, help people uh, that just felt just really satisfying. And I loved that I got to help people on the worst day of their lives. Mm -hmm. And uh, I also worked on an ambulance. And so I really appreciated that. And I got just a big, big dose of uh, sort of male culture because yeah. <laughs> it was, it's a male dominated field. And uh, eventually I, I got kind of like, well, I've got all this free time. What should I do? You know, I just got the job of my dreams and I'm only 25. What else can I do? Well, I've always wanted to try acting. So on my off time, I became an actor and I went SAG and equity really, really fast. And that was in Denver. And eventually I had a little dust up at the fire department. It was not a culture fit for me. So I thought, you know what? I got to go to LA. I went to mm -hmm. LA, worked in film and television for 10 years and uh, paid the bills by doing uh, mind body work, teacher training, personal training. Eventually, I, I became director of teacher training for some organizations while I was doing the film and television. I even worked behind the scenes a little bit. So I learned a lot about process and systems and politics and all the things. Mm -hmm. And again, once again, male dominated culture. Yeah. And uh, uh, eventually, I just kind of got tired of living in LA. It's not really my scene, not really my vibe. So I wound up starting a consultancy and uh, created a program called Unbreakable Woman, 
because I felt like there was a big gap in, in like the martial arts world and self-defense world. And so my book, Unbreakable Woman, Compassionate uh, Self-Defense and Empowerment, got me a lot of training, a Fortune 500 and U.S. military training gigs. Mm -hmm. So I became a consultant, traveling around, training, once again, male dominated. <laughs> I see this seems yeah. to be a theme with, for me, <laughs> working in these spaces where men are. I'm just so comfortable there. Yeah. And um, eventually, I came to realize that what I was doing was kind of, because I'm in service, I wanted to I wanted to make the, uh, the, the culture uh, the, that we live in a, a kind and equitable place for all people. And it seems like women's self-defense was a good place to do that. But at, at the end of the day, I feel like I was actually contributing to the problem mm -hmm. because I was coming at it from the same level of, of consciousness that created the problem in the first place. And that's when I realized, okay, I had, I had a bout with cancer and I got access to some metaphysical information through that experience mm -hmm. that showed me the way to change, which is working with people of influence at the highest levels of leadership to help them create a culture of kindness and equity within their business. And then you're talking thousands, if not millions of people who will then feel better and go about their lives in a very different way because work is now in harmony with their, with their home life. Mm -hmm. So uh, that seemed like a much, uh, a much bigger rock to throw in the water. And I started working in culture. I shifted from doing personal consulting and, and private coaching of business leaders into working with businesses. And I, as you mentioned, I recently got uh, voted onto the board at NUMI as their chief mindset and culture officer. And I also sit on the board, board of Vibervision as their chief culture, uh, culture officer. So I have the opportunity to help startups build their culture from the beginning so that we're not having to reinvent the wheel. And it's a very exciting opportunity and I absolutely love it. And I work with small, medium businesses and eventually I, I think I want to work at the enterprise level, but frankly, I'm not sure yet because that's a lot of heavy lifting. Yeah. <laughs> Having worked in fortune 500, you know, at, uh, at the corporate level, at the director level, like, oh, this is, this is a big wheel to try to turn a different direction. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm up for it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So good. I love it. I love that, you know, your journey took all these twists and turns. And while we all have twists and turns, you're right. There's definitely some unique pieces to it. And I think it's amazing that you're now, you've stepped in from the transformational leadership piece to this um, mindset and culture work, because I think you're right. The impact you can have, you know, is broader and greater quicker, right? And so first, I would love for you just to share with us, how do we, one, make this kind of shift in our own lives? Or if we're in a company and we realize, hey, we can be a change agent in some way, you know, so how, what is maybe the first thing that we start doing to sort of pay attention to what, what are we doing with either our own brand or within our own company, you know, with this authority piece? Yeah. So when I talk about personal authority, first of all, that is an awesome question. And I, I think it's on the minds of many men and women. And I want to say very clearly, I don't just work with women. Uh, because of my background in male-dominated fields, men feel safe talking to me about their stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, I feel very fortunate that I've gotten to work with uh, at least a third of my clients are men. Mm -hmm. And there is a personal authority piece that comes up a lot and for different reasons, but the solution is the same. Number one, it begins with radical personal accountability, which is uh, a self-awareness aspect and having the vulnerability to declare it. So when people are reluctant to take ownership of the feedback in their lives, feedback is the result of how you're behaving, the choices that you're making and the attitudes that, that you hold dear. When you're receiving feedback from your environment, 
uh, and, and listen, we all have challenges, but I'm talking about like suddenly like it's hard to keep a job. It's hard to keep friends. Relationships are falling apart. Um, there's something not, there's something that's not quite stirring the Kool-Aid here. That's when I take people deep inward and look at their core values and, and what, how they're operating, what, what, you know, what their operating system is, right? Mm-hmm. If, if they are not in service to themselves, cause it's got to start there. If you are not being 100% honest with yourself, you are lying to the world. Self-deception is like the number one reason people have issues. And mm-hmm. it can be unconscious. And that's why it's so important to get a coach who can, you don't know what the label is when you're inside the jar, right? Right, right. So that, that I was so, I've been so blessed that I've had the opportunity to help people identify very compassionately. But let me be clear about this. You know, it's not about blame. It's not about pointing fingers. And this is not about judgment. This right. is about expanding your self-awareness, opening up your aperture of what you're capable of. And that requires no victim mindset, zero self-deception. And the stomach for radical personal accountability, it's not always fun, but it always ends well, always. It's the high road, right? So and uh, uh, guiding people through that journey, and that's the micro. At the macro level, we look at policy. We get feedback from employees, mm-hmm. like what they think their core values are, are not being translated through middle management and disseminated out to employees. So that's something like, Hey, here's the, here's the truth. Here's your core value. Here's what's really happening. This is the truth that the tyranny of truth. And sometimes it can be very daunting. So as far as uh, the mindset of, I should say a personal authority, be willing to accept yourself and all of your flaws and really investigate how many of them are part of your personal culture and how many of them have been sort of learned from your family of origin, for example, like money mindset issues, right? Right. So, and to your second question, once you've kind of got gathered, I, what this is what I call a sovereign practice, where I, I like to I like to use the the metaphor of having every individual as a sovereign state, right? If you're at a company, you are working as a sovereign state within a nation because you're all mm-hmm. have the same mission. If you're right. working for a company, bringing your sovereign authenticity to work is how you get traction as a change agent. You have to be willing to one, understand yourself, accept yourself, and two, see how you can work within the system to create change that uh, works globally. Mm-hmm. For sure. You have to have the ability to stand on your own two feet in your sovereignty and your personal authority and say, with compassion, this is what I'm seeing. And I think we can do better. Yeah. So uh, first of all, I want to dig into personal authority just a little further. I know online when you were sharing about, you know, this topic, one of the things you wrote was explaining how a lot of people get stuck and this could be personal brand, which probably in this example it is, but it could be a company. We get stuck in wanting to share the wins, the successes, right? Our, our good side, if you will, right? The like the side that makes us look, we think better, but what we forget is that it doesn't make people want to be connected to us when they don't see our real, right? Our real, real, which is, I know you, you said face plant struggles or challenges, but the point is, is all we have to share all of us. And I mean that in a, in other words, we have to be vulnerable, right? You talk about being vulnerable and being authentic. And so would you share anything else about that? Because I think that's something, and I know I struggle with that too, you know, kind of that, well, I'll share, but like at what point do I want to share or do I rather, I feel safe if I don't share, but so much, right? So how do we keep working on that to show up fully ourselves? 
So, you know, at work is a little bit different than interpersonal relationships. And I think Brene Brown said it best. There's only certain people you trust with your deep truth. Sure. We're not bringing that deep truth. We're not living out loud. It is not, not leaving like an open wound at work. It's not a Jerry Springer show. That kind of emotional drama is not appropriate at work, right? So, however, when you have something that you are working through, you need to be able to trust someone with that truth. And authenticity is definitely about the ownership of your humanity. And when we get very optics focused, we start to step away from our humanity because humanity is messy. Mm -hmm. It's sloppy. It's an ugly cry sometimes. And nobody, (laughs) and, and, and especially for women, I want to be clear about this. Women are, this is changing slowly, but for those of us who are, you know, born in the sixties or seven, early seventies, pretty clear, like the, the, your attractiveness and your low maintenance-ness is directly tied to your value as a person. Mm-hmm. So you don't ever want to ugly cry. You don't ever want to make a mistake because you're going to be judged so harshly for it. And I think that really interferes with women's ability to stand in their humanity because they're not, aff- you know, we are not afforded it just like we need to be perfect looking good. Mm-hmm. And just like men, they have their version of that. They are right. not allowed to be vulnerable because the other, the male peer group will pounce on them mm-hmm. and destroy them. And the men in the male world, as I have seen, uh, what I'll call, you know, policing, um, they are, they are, they are, what would, what, what's the word? It's not relentless. They are, uh, I'm not sure the word, but, but it's, it's bad. <laughs> it's right. very, very bad. Right. Relentless. Like yeah, it, it is. They're like, they're, they're waiting for someone to do that admission so that they can pounce on it. So in the male, in the male word, uh, I would say in the very masculine world, um, being vulnerable means you lose your credibility and your authority. Mm-hmm. Women are expected to be vulnerable, but what we're not expected to do is stand in power. Mm-hmm. So these two, and these are just things that are slowly, thank goodness, being uh, being uh, written out of, of our culture because right. it just doesn't, economically, it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's so much business case for what you know, for having diverse decision-making teams that requires women to be able to stand and just be like, I don't know. It's gotta be okay for me not to know. And a man need to say the same thing, but it's different risk. So at work, you want to be able to trust yourself enough to say, I don't know. That's a huge vulnerability. That's a risk. And working in an environment where if your culture doesn't support that at work, right there, right. So that's something that that's a, a, a perfect place for someone like me, a culture consultant to come in and, and say, you can't ask for innovation and have no tolerance for mistakes. That's what innovation is. It's right. failure until you get it right. Right. Yeah. So uh, risk taking is, is a big culture thing. And knowing your own personal uh, being c- clear with your own personal authority helps you be able to manage those failures. So to speak They're not, they're actually feedback, right. uh, but in a personal, in a, in a personal uh, uh, arena, mm-hmm. it is all about trust and who is there to support you, who is there to lift you up when you are questioning yourself, but also hold you accountable. Mm-hmm. Now, and here's yeah. a little hint to somebody. If you expose yourself in some of your deepest, darkest to somebody and they use it to diminish you, that was not the right person to share that with. And sometimes we don't know until we know. Right. So be very uh, cautious about sharing with someone who has not earned your trust, who is not loyal to you. 
And I, the same would go to, the same would go for a, a work environment, but slightly different kind of sharing. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's a big part of that. Yeah. So I do love this idea, you know, how you were, you were kind of telling us like in, in work, like you said, we have to know, you know, you were talking about it being our own sovereign state. And then before we start recording, you talked about, you know, we do need to know our personal culture, right? What, what is our, our own um, or values? I don't know if you call it a culture value. And then we need to know other people's, right? And then how do we work together? Well, how do we kind of come together as that unit, right? If we're at work, but would you add anything else about that? Like maybe somebody's never thought about this concept before, right? Their own personal culture, how do we kind of maybe reflect on that and make sure that we sort of know what it is we're putting out there? You know, like you said, it's, it's the experience people get with us. Yeah. I love to think of it in that way. And this, um, this mindset has really helped me create more harmony and reduce triggers. Frankly, Mm -hmm. almost everything I do is just to keep myself so emotionally stable. (laughs) It's, this is just resiliency stuff that came from like, how do I not get triggered by that person? Yeah. Okay. Let me just, let me, let me see them in terms of their, of their personal culture and understand where they're coming from. It's, it's an empathy practice, but it starts with an ear self-awareness, right? Having compassion for yourself and being very clear in what your culture is so that you are always being authentic. Now that doesn't mean that you uh, can't adapt your style of communication. So for example, I have a trucker's mouth. I grew up with profanity (laughs) from the time I could, I was still in diapers. Uh, So this was part of the culture of my family. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't drop F-bombs if I haven't been invited. It's like right now, like I'm not doing that. I don't feel like I'm editing myself. It feels very natural and intuitive for me to have this conversation without a bunch of profanity. Now, when I get around someone in a little more casual conversation, well, you can bet your butt. There you go. There you go. You can bet your ass. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to be a little bit more who I am. So uh, that's, but I'm not like, I'm not repressing myself right now. I'm not editing myself. It just feels like natural to, to have this discourse in this manner. However, I know I'm really clear on my brand. Like if we were to go have a beer, you'd be clutching your pearls. If you did not like the F bomb. Right. Right. So, but I know this about myself and when you know this, then it allows you to kind of move. It's like your passport, right? It's like your little culture passport allows you to move between different cultures and be able to enjoy these parts of your own without like stopping your authentic manner, right? Like ultimately it comes, it comes to like, I'm a very down to earth person and I like to think that I'm very welcoming of other people. So Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't say I adapt. I would say I just respond to whoever I'm talking to, to maximize harmony without without altering my own authentic expression. I think that's really, really important. Oh my right. gosh. Yeah. That's so good. You know what the visual go, go. I got right there? Yeah. Sorry. Was, uh, was really what we're saying is you're, you're just, or any of us are just turning. We just want to turn up and down the volume, but still be authentic to ourselves for where we're at. Your right. Truth, like at work, right. Yes. Yeah. You're going to, your truth mm-hmm. should not change. Right. Don't change your truth. Yeah. Maybe dial adjust how you express it. Cause at the end of the day, Right. You want to be heard, right? right? You want it to land. And if you want it to land, sometimes you need to meet people where they are. Right. That is, that is, a, that is a good leader right there. If you want to sell a concept, it helps if you can meet people where they are. Right. People who cannot do that might have much harder time creating consensus and enrolling people in their ideas. 
and that mm-hmm. is their culture. Yeah. It doesn't oh. mean it's bad, but you get that. Yeah. I'm so good. And I, I think that's, that's a really good example. And uh, yeah, I'm with you. You know, I don't throw the F-bombs all the time, but it surely does come out. So oh, yeah. <laughs> See, right I knew it. I could, I could yeah. smell sister. I knew. I'm like, all right. And, we're and just in full disclosure, my husband, only if there's sports on, that's his only time he does it, but he doesn't like it if he hears me say something that he, you know, because I don't do it all the time. But when I do, he's just like, what? And I'm like, you come on, stop. You know, because I'm like, it's been for forever. Um, so yeah, I, I very much align with that. It's not something that it's all the time, but it surely happens. What can you tell us? Cause you just, you kind of just poked into if you're trying to sell something, right. But obviously in whether we are, we do not have to be in a sales role, right? right. Anything yeah. we're doing in life, we're selling something. Right? I mean, we're selling ourselves, we're selling an idea. Yeah. We might be selling a business service or product, but we, we have to every day show up and convince someone else of something. So can you speak to that? Because you were sort of saying how this, the ideas we just talked about tie into that. Yeah. So I'm selling kindness, harmony, and equity as, as, a, as a species. That's, my, that's what I'm selling. Uh-huh. And I know that if I want to get at the enterprise level, because you know, I'm working at, this, at small businesses right now, and they're a little bit more open to it, what I, I have to understand where my, the people who I really want to sell this concept to, Mm -hmm. I need to understand what they're dealing with, what their obstacles are, Mm -hmm. uh, what their everyday looks like, what the, what are their gaps? What are they up against? And then I want to show up as their partner Mm -hmm. in resolving those things by bringing about a more kind, equitable and compassionate culture for everybody. So, you know, at the enterprise level, for example, I would bring in a mountain of metrics about all the case studies that have shown this is what happens to your revenue when you diversify your decision-making teams. Here is a process to move you from where you are because you have a homogenized C-suite into a diverse hire into a diverse hiring or like here's the 18-month plan. Here's how you do it without alienating the people who are already there. Because mm-hmm. I know, I, I, listen, I have this instinct. I'm going to share this with you. You heard it first. Yeah. I believe that some of the resistance by very, I'll call it the old guard, right? Sort of like the, the, uh, well, just the, the white male leadership, which is, you know, dominant right now. I have to wonder if they have become aware that they have been excluding people, not, not even consciously. Right because of bias, which is completely natural, right? completely natural. They're being criminalized for something that's unconscious. First of all, that's not fair. Right. Second, yeah, right. So let's decriminalize yeah. bias immediately, please. And let's talk about what's really happening. And some of these men, I know, because I, I have spoken to some of them, they are afraid. Now they've become aware that they have been excluding and blocking women and people of color mm-hmm. without meaning to, there's a little bit of fear that when women and people of color begin to integrate these high level decision-making teams, we're going to treat them the way they've been treating us. Yeah. They're going to feel like my voice doesn't matter anymore. I am an antiquated dinosaur. I'm a white male, white right. heterosexual male, and nothing could be further from the truth. Right. We need everybody. And right now, because of the, the, the lack of willingness or the perceived lack of willingness. I'll say mm-hmm. that perceived lack of willingness and the track record. These men are like, I'm not doing anything. I'm not mm-hmm. changing. Screw y'all. 
Why Hold would I choose? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 you know, I see that and I get it. Um, so in order for me to sell to these people, number one, they need to feel valuable. They need to feel seen. Right. I, they need to understand. They need to know that somebody understands their fear and, and their unwillingness and all the reasons why. Yeah. Right. So it yeah. takes courage. So when you're selling something that requires change, and which is what I do, I sell change. And I, I'm only changing, I only want to change things for the, for the highest good of all. That's why I'm here. And that's why I'm very, very passionate about what I'm selling. Mm-hmm. And the people who are ready are going to have an amazing result because mm-hmm. I get results. When I was working one-on-one with very rare exception, I was like a, a 95% plus uh, results for people. Right. So even if you are selling, a widget and you're working for minimum wage, you have a, you have a desk job, you work at a cubicle farm. You have an opportunity with your personal authority, with your personal culture to sell what you want the world to look like. And one way to do that is through random acts of kindness. Yeah. This is how we sell a kinder, compassionate, and equitable culture, world culture. Right. And Mm -hmm. you have the power to do that every day. How you talk to your children, how you let your spouse talk to you, that's Mm -hmm. teaching your kids, male or female. Absolutely. The, The degree of compassion, respect, and kindness that you display for your children is teaching them what the world looks like, how it should be. I'm putting air quotes for those of right. you. So simply by creating a culture within your own home of safety, psychological safety. And you might not have had this, by the way. Mm-hmm. All the grown-ups I work with, they are very messed up because of their family of origin and they are the cycle breakers. So I work right. with cycle breakers for a living. How inspiring is that? Yeah. And then I get trusted to guide them. I'm just like, I love my life so much. I love what I do so much. So these, these cycle breakers are coming in and recognizing I did not get modeled what I want the world to be, what I know the world could be. So they're changing and I'm helping them build that culture within themselves so they can disseminate it within their family unit and then take that out on the road. So it starts in your home. Well, it starts with you, self-awareness. Number two, your home, your circle of influence, your friends. Don't be friends with anyone who does not support your personal culture. They got, they're on their own path. And it's a lot of times when I help people and they transform and they're, they have expand their awareness and their appreciation and love for themselves. They can't hang with the people who want to judge and beat themselves up because they can't stop judging and beating up their friends because they haven't learned that yet. And it's okay. So as you go up through the stratosphere of your success and your abundance and the love and time and magic in your life, the people who are not quite ready to follow you will slip right off. Yeah. And they are meant to do that. And it's, it is absolutely correct. It is absolutely healthy. And you are going to show them what's possible, but you can't, you can't walk through that door for them. Oh, so much. I so agree with that. And I think you're right. The more you are aware of yourself and you know, your own core values. And like you said, your own culture, you will attract other people like that, right. That are, that are in that similar space. You know, you might have differences of course, but 
you know, because that's for me, I've been very fortunate that I have lots of great people around me, but I work hard at that, right? Like, in other words, I'm not going to just bring in any, you know, toxic person just to be close to me. You know what I mean? I'm just going to be like, oh, hey, how are you? And then move on, right? I'm just going to keep moving on. Um, but but that's because we're aware of of what we have around us, but it's probably the work we've put in already, right? That's right. And I think yeah. it's really important. I'm so glad that you said that. It really needed to be said because we're all taught, especially as women, you don't get to eject people from your life. Right. We're supposed to be polite. And my thing is, if, if, if I'm behaving inappropriately, if something right. that I'm doing does not work for you, if I've offended you or, oh, for God forbid, if I've wronged you, because mm-hmm. I don't ever wrong someone on purpose, I would hope that you would tell me and be like, I can't have you in my life right now. And and I would just be like, word, thank you for letting me know. So I treat people like that in my life. I expect that same level of disclosure. I don't, we don't have to be, we're not here to be friends with everybody. We're here to get S done. We're how I really want to curse because I'm getting fired up now, but I'm not going to curse because we did not discuss it. So you did not give permission. (laughs) I'm not going to do it. So this is me respecting you and your culture on your show and your listeners. So um, we're here to get it done. And people who listen to this are probably really interested in personal growth. So being the best version of yourself is a gift to the world. And I would say, and I don't know, I'm not very religious, but I believe in God. I believe that there's something way smarter and way more uh, powerful than me. I just call it God because I don't don't have another word. We don't have good words for these things. So I'm, I'm not religious at all. I'm hugely spiritual. And I absolutely believe that we're part of one thing and that one thing binds us all. And our job here is to be as much that thing as possible, to be that light, to be that love. And in order to do that, that's work. That's right. Being human is hard. It's (laughs) so hard. So you need to support yourself, support yourself with people who get it, who are there to help you, who will call you out compassionately with love and support you. And then you have that same thing. It takes courage to do that. And when you have someone in your life who's willing to do that, and they're really like, listen, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I feel like you need to know this. Treasure those, treasure those people. So hard to find. Yeah, absolutely. And and like you said, I mean, if you, if you always come from a place of serving and love, then we don't have to worry about, you know, having that honest conversation with someone to your point that there's a difference between your friend sharing with something or, or your loved one, something that needs to be said versus like you were explaining earlier, if there's people around you that are negative and toxic and that sort of thing, that's a different situation, right? That's somebody that's kind of stuck in that place, you know? Oh, I, I would like to address one of the things that I do. One of my tools uh, or mm-hmm. practices, I, like, I call it languaging. I think uh-huh. it is a common, a common uh, concept now. I wanted to offer a little bit of insight to the word toxic. I've heard, I hear that, you know, this is like a meme now. It's like toxic people. If you feel like you have someone toxic in your life, I want to invite you to, instead of using the word toxic, figure out what it is. Absolutely. Because it's going to help you make a a good decision. It's one Mm -hmm. thing to be like, oh, they're toxic. I don't like it. But my question is why? And it's really important to define why, because you have attracted them. And if you want to know about yourself, look who you're attracting. So if you've attracted a narcissist, it's probably Mm -hmm. because you need to work on your self-esteem. If you've Mm -hmm. attracted an energy vampire, it's because you are overly, you overgive. 
You don't have right. the boundaries to say no to sue. It's not enough, in my opinion. It's good to recognize oh, toxic, but okay, let's go a step deeper. Because remember, I said at the very top of this show, feedback is your evidence of what you have going on inside you. Yeah. It is your evidence. So all the choices you're making, the people you're attracting, that's your feedback. Absolutely. If, if you don't like the feedback, change your choices. Hashtag Maya Angelou. <laughs> oh, I so agree. And yeah, I use the word toxic just because I couldn't think of another word right now, but a hundred percent, you know, I don't go around calling people I know toxic. First of all, I don't yeah. have any people around me that I would say have any of those qualities in a big way. Right. But the point is, is I do like that it, to your point, you co- we come back to the reflection. Yes. Like you said, we're not talking about if you're, you know, your, your significant other's uncle is that way. That's something that's just kind of like, you can't help it. I mean, you know, you can't help that relationship. You can maybe not see the person, but you can't help it. But if, like you said, if you have lots of friends or people around you that kind of have certain behavior and it's not working for you to your point, the question is, why are you attracting them? And I think that's really important to always self-reflect, right. And sort of try to grow and to work on our mindset and things like that. So I think that's, it's really a good point. Thank you. And, and, you know, to your point, that's a totally valid word. And it's, it's a starting point. Right. I really think it helps people actually, it's really, I'm really glad you said it because I feel like it helps people recognize, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. It, it helps you like, it gets you out of the denial and go, I think they're toxic, but boy, okay. I, we got that. All right. I, I've got that now, but let's look at what's going on. What, what yeah. kind of toxicity are we talking about? Cause that yeah. is a reflection of, of what you, uh, of your choices and you have an opportunity then. So what they're trying to show you Unless it's your uncle, of course, <laughs> or that aunt that you just like, right. oh, it's very right. hard to, to, oh gosh, you know, there's Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever. And you're just like, I'm just going to give them a lot of space. So right, that's right, a little right. bit different than <laughs> right. friends. Yeah. And I, I love that you, that you made that distinction. Um, yeah. There was something else that came up while you were talking. It was super cool. And it has left me, but I bet it will come up. So let's just keep, let's keep okay. rolling. So actually something that came, that I thought of, and I don't know if this is aligned or not, but when we're, when we mentioned toxic people, I'm just curious, since we're talking about work culture as well, what about if somebody said like, you know, your work's toxic or there's something going on in your work, right? That's not going well for you. What do we say about that? Is it, once again, I'm assuming it's the reflect on well, what's behind that, right? Well, like yes. what's going on and is it something we can change, we can alter, or is it actually, there's nothing that can be done about it and it's just time to move on? Yeah. I, that's a, such a good question. So one of the things that I, I assess for companies is their cultural fitness. I have five domains that I, we look at um, to, to assess where they are in their cultural fitness. And then people who come to the organization need to be a culture fit, right? So yeah. sometimes certain business cultures, if you are not a fit, will feel toxic. Right. And they right. actually may be, but there's people in there that thrive. They love it. They love right. the drama. They love the pressure. They love the stress. Mm-hmm. They thrive on it. Personally, uh, I, I, I would never expose myself to that. Well, only I did once. I was working for a company and within six months, I was like, not quite, it was actually two months. I was like, I don't think I'm a culture fit here. And I had no idea because yeah. how I was onboarded was completely different than the work experience itself. Right. It was like getting it was like the equivalent of being in a new relationship and getting the bouquet of flowers and getting wine right. and dine flown right. around to beautiful places. And then you get in the relationship yeah, and none of it, 
none of it. Like they you know, suddenly you're not appreciated. They they're they're they change. It's yeah, like a yeah. 180, and I'm like, yeah. what just happened? So I I would like to say to I would I would approach that two different ways. Number one, notice if everybody else is happy. Does everybody else really seem to be? What's the dominant opinion right. of the culture yeah. that you're observing? So that's you know ask around, get curious. I always say uh, instead of getting judgmental, get curious. So start Absolutely. asking around, look around, you, should, you know, pay attention, really pay attention. And it might simply be that you're just not a good culture fit, or maybe you need to lateral into a department that has a different culture. Right. So it isn't always um, toxicity. Sometimes is in the eye of the beholder. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you might not just be a good fit for that company whatsoever. And and there may be times where there within your department or there's a particular trend. I would say a mm-hmm. behavioral trend, a cultural trend that is out of alignment with the core values. And at that point, you could bring that to somebody who can help make a difference and say, I've observed this. And you come from a place of curiosity, paying attention, non-judgment. I see this is in the core values of the company. I've noticed this behavior. I'm just curious, um, you know, is there, do you feel there's a disconnect? Does this seem, does this seem aligned to you? Like, especially if one of the reasons I took a job here was because of this cultural value. Right. That was, that was promised. And I'm yeah. not seeing it. I'm not seeing it disseminated at the level that I'm working. So does it get better? Like what's going on? So, come, right. you know, coming, coming from a place of curiosity and inquiry right? versus, you know, accusation. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, We're a good team. Absolutely. We're a good team. Yeah, thank you for you pulling that word out of my brain. Cause I'm like, <laughs> she's got it. I'm not even going to say it. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's a good, I like the different differentiators. And I think I think you're right, because at the end of the day, the point is we need to ask questions about what's going on with us. And sometimes it is going to a manager and just saying like, hey, uh, something's going on where it's I'm just stressed or it's not working. But it might be you just need to respond. You need to review your responsibilities. It could be like you said, there's someone on the team that you're struggling with with and maybe need to work through that or whatever it might be. So I, I love that you talk about and I talk about on the show a lot in different ways, but curious and inquiring, right? Instead of using judgment in any scenario or, you know, going in like, you know, you're sure and this is how it is. Because a lot of times, like you said, we're only, we can only operate from our own perspective until we, we have more information, right? right? So let me ask you one last question. Is there anything else you would want to leave the listeners with about just uh, limiting beliefs or mindsets that you find we get stuck in and that can help us when we're trying to, you know, do something new in our lives or make a change? Okay. Yes, absolutely. All of the beliefs that we have come from our family of origin. We were all indoctrinated into the culture of our family. And that can mean money mindset issues. It can mean guilt and shame, among other things. If you had a bully in your family, anytime you showed a little, a little burst of self-esteem, you were smashed down. Mm-hmm. And that can you know, create all manner of havoc in believing in yourself and, and progressing as an adult. So as far as limiting beliefs go, I would invite everyone to take a look at their stories. What's your story around money? What's your story about what you're capable of? Mm -hmm. And examine very closely the training that you got in your family, because it is literally unconscious training. And it gets, you are basically a hard drive with nothing on it. And your family starts loading up the software, the stories. Right. Good news is whatever you believe, I want them, I want your, your listeners to understand this. There's, this is the neuro facilitation piece of what I do. 
beliefs are nothing more than a thought that is repeated enough times that it becomes accepted, surrendered to, and, and taken as fact. That means that, then that is a very uh, a well-worn neuropathway. Let's say mm-hmm. a, a neuropathway around lack, okay? When you introduce a new belief, a new, or sorry, a new thought, you start to grow a new neuropathway. You can think about it like a sprout, like a plant in your mm-hmm. brain. And you focus on growing that and it gets stronger and stronger. And here's the very, very cool thing. When you focus on building a better story. Mm -hmm. And if the story is at the end of the day, ultimately for the greatest good of all, including yourself, and you get to have whatever the heck you want. Okay. That is, you get to have that. So you can focus your attention on building that new story, creating that new thought and hitting it again and again and again, write it down. Post it everywhere. Things are always working out for me, as Abraham likes to say. And it's critical that you look where you want to go. Only focus on the story you want to tell. I'm not asking for people to suppress, repress, or be in denial. Let all that truth come up. And while you're processing, while you're healing, focus on what you want. Then what you don't want will prune off. It will literally fall away. Trying to stop a story you've got is completely uh, futile. You'll just grind your metal when you focus on what you want and and allow that to uh, reverberate in your body. Write it down, say it out loud, say it in the mirror. And for people who feel stupid about that, if I were to tell you, if you say in the mirror, I'm excited about my a million dollars in my bank account. If I were to tell you that that would actually get you a million dollars if you did it for six months. Would you feel stupid? Would you do it? Right. That's how manifestation works. You have to believe. You have to believe in yourself, which means you have to let go of the stories from your family. You don't have to necessarily let go of your family. Right. No, I love it. And actually, I loved how you explained it because, of course, uh, you know, I've heard, you know, in a similar area before, but I liked how you were talking about the story and that new growth because, to your point, if we grow, right, we keep watering that, that new sprout, yep. it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and kind of overshadow those, those older, smaller stories, right? And eventually they'll kind of dry up and fall off or we can prune them. So I, I liked that example. That's fantastic. And I think it's really helpful. Thank you. And I also want to remind your listeners that when you plant a seed, don't dig it up and check on it. Just keep watering it. Keep, right, mm-hmm. create a fertile yep. ground with belief in yourself. And, and, and uh, let it grow, just let it grow. Right. And just because you don't see anything on the ground coming up through the ground, doesn't mean that it has, doesn't have roots. Right. Right. It takes some time. Yes. Mm. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, Maura, can you tell us how can people reach you and connect with you online and learn more about everything that you have going on? Yes. So my current website is called mytransformationalcoach.com. You can go there and take a look at uh, some of the, you know, just uh, just some of the things that I that I work with. And I'm about to do a rebrand, so that's going to eventually be morebarkley.com. And I think the other place that I I love to send people is Instagram, and my handle is Soulful Leader. If I'm gonna spell it S O U L F U L E A D E R. So it's like soul, the end of soulful is the beginning of leader, which is why right. I'm going to be changing it. Cause this is a long explanation for a handle. So <laughs> that, that's where I'm at now. So I have done awesome. post all the time. I have a free coaching opportunity for people. The first three Wednesdays of every month on my Instagram, 
at 12.30 p.m. Pacific. I host a show called The Free Lunch Live. The first person to drop a question in the chat, and it can be about anything. Mm-hmm. I will give you intuitive reflection. I love offering this for people. I'm a very expensive coach. I'm, I'm a high-ticket coach. And I don't. I want to eliminate the barrier of entry for people. So right. that is my that is my service. Um, oh, that's my service day. So come and get your coaching. Don't let money be a problem. Come come and get your change. And oh. uh, yeah, I look forward to connecting. Oh, I love it. Oh my gosh, I love everything you're helping businesses, and you know, in some cases with the coaching with the individuals. And I love that you're making the world a kinder, better, you know, more amazing place. So thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for sharing me with your audience and trusting me. I really appreciate it. And you're awesome. I love talking to you. Oh my gosh. We can talk all day. So I look forward to connecting again soon. And thank you so much. Oh my gosh. I've had great guests on the show. I love having the conversations with all of them, but I can tell you there's some of them that I'm like, yes, we could be fast friends. And I know Maura and I could definitely be fast friends and enjoy a beverage together and and some uh, very feisty and loud conversations. So Maura, thanks again for being with us. It was a great conversation and I really appreciate it. Oh my gosh, the conversation today with Maura was so good. Honestly, there's so much in there. I think I almost would have to listen to it more than one time to kind of unpack all the things she shared with us and all the tips and techniques, all the things for us to consider. But for me, I think the big takeaways are what is our personal culture? What is it that what's the experience people get from us? How would they describe us? And how do people relate to us and connect to us? And do we really get other people's culture? And then how do those things come together? I think another highlight that's important to consider for ourselves is who are we attracting or repelling in our lives? So do we see patterns of the types of people that are surrounding us? And maybe those patterns aren't good. Maybe they are. And maybe we need to then reflect on that. We need to look at the feedback that's around us. You know, what? how can the things around us or the circumstances we're getting ourselves into often, What? how can we be informed, right, by that information, that feedback? And then I think another thing that's so important that she talked about was You know, if we want to change our life, if we want to go after the life we want, we want, you know, better or bigger or more um, specific things in our life, then we really do have to believe in ourselves, believe it's possible. And then we have to create um, with intention. Right. And so kind of think it, breathe it and work towards envisioning it. Right. All the small details of that. Like, what's it look like? Feel like, you know, let's kind of keep replaying that in our head so we can change that story. And I love the idea that we need to reframe our thoughts or reframe what's going on around us. And instead of being judgmental and instead of being, you know, accusing someone or something or the environment, you know, that it's, it's them or it, not us. We do need to get curious and we need to inquire, right? Or be inquisitive. And then we need to have the conversation with the person or we need to reflect and assess and be aware and then have the conversation. So I think that those are such good things we need to be paying attention to and aware. And we need to be willing to, once again, she talks about the feedback is the evidence And that's what lets us know what's going on inside of us. And I think if we can all get better at this practice, you know, this technique, our lives will be so much better. And I say this because I've talked to people where 
they've made a shift, right? They've really changed their mindset. And at one point they found themselves being bitter or angry with people, irritated, frustrated, whatever it was. And it was kind of like their default. And when they started making shifts, they started kind of being aware of these patterns. They realized it was them. It was them and the work they needed to to do and to spend time in. And when they did the work, they realized how much happier they were and how much better their relationships were. So I think this is such an important conversation. And I love that Mara brings the ideas of how we can improve our mindsets and our cultures if we just come at it from a place of love and kindness and inclusion. So I hope you'll take these ideas with you and, you know, use them in your own lives, your personal life, as well as your, you know, work culture as well. I think we do need to know what we want in order to define life on our terms. And we have to be willing to break the past scripts so that we can move into better and more beautiful and amazing things. And if you're looking to figure out what it is you can go after, what creative pursuit you can start, jump on over to my website at kristenfitch.com and go under resources. There is a no limits, create, scale, and monetize your creative passion printable PDF that I would love for you to grab and start taking uh, your dream seriously and get, let's get going. You can start going after your dreams today. And if you enjoyed the show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have ideas for the show or guests that you'd like to recommend, I'd love to hear from you. So DM me on Instagram at Kristen Fitch, or you can email me from the website. Thanks so much. And thanks again for listening in. Until next time, have a great week.